G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story... I set off to go to Scotland for three months and then I'm off to Mozambique to start this church planting phase. But then COVID hit. So that three months turned into six months and the plan was to go down to England and to fly out to Africa, back to Mozambique. And that flight actually got cancelled. And so one week turned into eight months. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Jordan Olney is a young man who had dreams of becoming a millionaire through real estate investments. He's been on the program in the past to share his story and how, just when he had saved up enough money to buy his first home, the Lord led him to spend it for doing ministry work in Africa. That interview ended with Jordan telling us that while in Africa, he met people who invited him to go on yet another adventure. This time, it would be for one year of ministry work in Europe. Today, we'll pick up Jordan's story and we'll hear how everything didn't go exactly to plan, but God certainly has blessed him in remarkable and unexpected ways. Today, Jordan Olney will tell us what happened as he has a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Jordan Olney. Welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Eric. Great to be here. Glad to have you with us. And let's kind of get a recap of what happened right as we ended last time. Yeah, so um, when I was in Africa, in Mozambique, uh, which is in southeastern Africa, and I was doing missions work there with an organization called Pioneer 61. And how old were you at this time? At this time, I'm about 22. Okay. So, um, yeah, at at that time, I was there in Mozambique, and uh, we had a missions group come over from the UK. Um, led by a pastor called Adam Voke, and um, we got along very well. I did with Adam, mm-hmm. and um, you know at that stage, Nick and Marlene, who were the leaders of Pioneer 61 in Mozambique, they had basically said to me that they'd love me to come back long-term with the mission and to kind of head up their church planting slash mm-hmm. pastoring program and in the future. And, of course, you know, that's a massive honour. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, fell directly in line with what I've felt my calling to be. Mm. My parents and my grandparents were pastors and that's who I believe God's called me to be as well. Mm-hmm. So I'd spoken to this guy, Adam, and asked him a bunch of questions and was very curious as to how he goes about pastoring. And, um, you know, it just so happened that Nick and Marlene had said, we'd love to send you to Europe for a year mm-hmm. um, to spend time with Adam and to spend time with him and all his connections because he's, he's actually under an umbrella of ministry. So they've got, you know, multiple church plants uh, spread all throughout Europe. Mm-hmm. And so it was an amazing connection to make for myself. And um, he sent an email out to all of his friends who are church pastors, you know, Sweden, Poland, uh, Serbia. Oh, wow. Yeah. A trip of a lifetime. I- incredible, yeah. yeah. Just laid out like this. Mm-hmm. And um, most of them came back and said, yeah, we'd love to have this guy come and do some training with us and serve us for a little bit. Pretty much each place that I went to, about 15 different churches all throughout Europe. Uh, was spent between two and four weeks there. Mm-hmm. So, it, oh, wow. incredible. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So, we spoke with you just a few months before you left on that adventure of a lifetime. So, tell us, how did it go? 
Yeah, it was incredible. So I, my base was the UK, mm-hmm. and which is quite nice because the UK is quite a similar culture to Australia. And so, you know, I had that as a base, very homely, incredible pastor. So I spent time with Adam and his family and they made room for me and I basically slotted in as one of their kids pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a big blessing. Yeah. But it wasn't long after that that I started bouncing around uh, the UK and started going to places like Portugal, and which was really cool as well because being in Mozambique, having learned Portuguese, I was able to kind of oh, speak okay. with them yeah. in their language yeah. in Portugal, which was quite nice. And so kept going around, but it was actually really interesting. The whole point of it was to see what church planting slash pastoring mm-hmm. looks like in different cultures. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got so many different cultures throughout Europe. Yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of, you know, Western, if we can call it that, Westernized cultures, a lot of Eastern cultures, a lot of poverty as well, mm-hmm. I saw, mm-hmm. which I didn't expect. Yeah. Um, in places like Serbia and like East Serbia and Bulgaria. So, just kind of seeing what works Mm cross-culturally from a pastoral standpoint was really important to me for hopefully heading back to Mozambique. So, it sounds neat to go to all these countries, but there was an overall purpose. It was training for you, but also being a blessing to those churches as well. Yeah. There were so many different factors to the trip and just a a bonus was being Mm -hmm. able to travel and make all of these connections. So, one of the biggest things that I drew from the trip was a two-way door basically had opened where I'd formed this relationship with all of these different pastors and churches as mm-hmm. well, um, most of them under 50 people. I'd drawn this um, this relationship between us where one day they can come to Mozambique and minister and mm-hmm. be ministered to mm-hmm. by our people and, and the experience. So that was your overall goal was yeah. after all of this, once you're trained, mm-hmm. to go back to Mozambique yes. and ministry there. Yeah. So um, so Nick and Marlene, the leaders of Piney 61, had asked me to head up that in the future, mm-hmm. uh, that church planting kind of phase, because we've got the ministry there. You know, we're working with people, teaching them how to be mature Christians, mm-hmm. but we don't actually have that official, you know, church set up, which needs to happen mm-hmm. as the next natural step. So let's look back at your year of training. Some of the most memorable experiences. Yeah, I remember this one time. So in southeast Serbia, which is a more poverty-stricken place, um, a place called Leskovac. We'd basically spent some time going out in an afternoon to minister, and these people have nothing. And um, we'd gone out and we just started playing music in the streets, which was an amazing experience because we had just people coming out from every nook and cranny there was, and it was this kind of run-down city. And, um, you know, we had a couple hundred people come out, if not a thousand people, and this kid came up to me, and they don't speak English, especially in this community, and this kid came up to me, and he spoke English, and it was great. Oh, so he that was basi- unexpected, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. basically tagged along with me as my translator. Oh, wow, And great. so, whilst the whole pack of people ministering, they're all playing music in this big circle, I really felt called to just start ministering um, to the people who weren't coming out mm-hmm. and to the people who were on the fringe. Mm-hmm. And um, this kid came with me. It was amazing because I'd seen this lady that was quite a bit older, really struggling to get upstairs. And she had to have two people holding her, mm-hmm. going up and down this, this flight of stairs and felt called to go pray for her. And so with my little buddy, um, we went <laughs> Your over- new little buddy. Yeah, my new little yeah. buddy. We went over there bold and confident and- um, it can be easier sometimes when you don't speak that language to be able to step out in boldness. It just hmm. is how it Interesting. is. And, yeah. yeah, I suppose you're you're not as as afraid of shame 
or anything mm. like that. But anyway, we go over to this lady and I ask through this kid, you know, do you want some prayer? We believe in healing and we most of them know about Jesus, uh, but they don't know his actual healing power or the reality of mm. relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And so she's fine for that. Basically, we pray for her and God fixes her knees. She's walking. Oh, wow. She starts walking up and down the stairs. So really? we get her to test it out. Yeah. And she tries to bend down. She can do it. She's got this surprised look on her face, also confusion. And she starts, you know, I tell her, can you test it out on the stairs? And sure enough, she doesn't need anyone to help her. She starts going up and down the stairs. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. Fantastic. It's funny because sometimes we pray for healing and we're full of faith. Hmm. But when it actually happens, it's like, wait, what? Oh, wait, (laughs) What an amazing story. So that's just one of many places that you minister to, but that's one of the most memorable. That one stands out. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Jordan Olney and getting us updated on what has been happening in his life since he was last on the program. Next, we'll hear how the global pandemic throws a monkey wrench into his plans while he's in Europe. But God still manages to bless him abundantly. All that and more is coming up when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with a young man named Jordan Olney, who's been getting us updated on what's been happening in his life since he was last on the program. Before the break, we heard how Jordan went to Europe to train to be a church planter and a pastor, with the aim of eventually using those skills to do ministry work in Mozambique. Now, we're going to find out how his life takes an unexpected twist while he was in Scotland. So let's fast forward to this year of Mm -hmm. learning and being trained and going to different places comes to an end. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? Yeah, so um, I was blessed to be able to come back home for a couple of months and recharge the batteries with family. And Mm -hmm. it is difficult being away from family for so long. Oh, yeah. I would say probably of the last five years, I've probably spent four years of that time away from home. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's difficult. but. Um, was able to recharge my batteries and kind of pack my bags for the next adventure. Yeah. And I felt very clearly that God had called me back to Scotland. I had been in Scotland previously mm-hmm. in the previous year. It was about 2018, 19. And so um, I felt very clearly that the relationship was really strong there and mm-hmm. and that God had something else for me there. Mm-hmm. And he wanted me to learn something more, particularly from one of the pastors whose name was Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're in the Scottish Lowlands, about an hour south of Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. So I, I set off, packed my bags my whole life, basically, uh, in this one bag, setting off to go to Scotland for three months. Mm-hmm. So this is the plan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We go for three months, and then I'm off to Mozambique to start this church planting phase. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the plan. That was the plan. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> reality. <laughs> in life, we learned to pencil in plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, in reality, I, I go to Scotland for three months, and it was great. I got to spend good time with Mike and, and the church there, just mm-hmm. strengthening that relationship as well. Mm-hmm. 
and again, going to have them come to Mozambique and maybe bring some people from Mozambique to Scotland one day. Mm-hmm. That's the hope. But then COVID hit. Yes. Um, yes. So I, I it hit you and it hit everybody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I, I basically went over, I think from memory, COVID started around February, I think. Yeah, March, February. March, February. 2020. Yep. Yeah. So I headed off on the 15th of February. So mm-hmm. basically as soon as it hit and was, you know, growing. And so... I'm getting worse and worse. Yes. And I'm sure, like everyone else, I was thinking, this won't be, it's not that bad. It won't become this massive thing that it has turned into. That's what you thought, huh? That's what I thought, (laughs) yeah. But so I just plowed on with my plans Mm -hmm. and was starting to try and get my visa ready for Mozambique Mm -hmm. whilst I was in the UK. And Mm -hmm. the process kind of just got longer and longer. While I was in Scotland, there were lockdowns and etc. So I actually wasn't able to do the church work that I was planning to do. Oh, okay. Which was because of a lockdown, you can't yeah, do anything. Which was quite difficult. Yeah. Because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, God, come on, you know, what are we doing? Feels like a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but God's so much bigger than us doing things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to learn. He teaches us in many ways. And I did learn a lot of things being there. So that three months turned into six months. Mm-hmm. And I was actually blessed to be able to stay up on a farm there in Scotland. Oh, okay. And it's anyone's been there. It's incredible. It's kind of like New Zealand. It's very green and lush, mm-hmm. mountains everywhere. And yeah, I so was, you got to go outside. You weren't cooped up. Yeah, in a little apartment somewhere. No, but that that was another thing. Is that you know everyone there had to stay in their house, and most people live in the UK and in kind of like box houses right next yeah, to each other. Yeah, yeah, quite thin but high. You know, three story houses. Anyway, mm-hmm. so. Most people are stuck in their houses and I'm on this farm with acres and acres of land. To yeah, not exactly feeling around. trapped in. No, exactly. Yeah. So, it was a massive blessing despite the situation. Mm-hmm. Got to learn how to drive tractors around and do a bunch of things, use a, a bunch of tools as well um, whilst I was there. And whilst I was actually at the farm, I stayed in what's called a yurt, uh, which is a Mongolian tent. And so, this is about maybe 500, 600 meters from the main house mm-hmm. down in the forest. And so, I could basically stay there by myself at night with a fire going right in the middle of the year, this big tent, huh. sort of circular tent. Yeah. The families in Mongolia, um, they live there. The whole family will live in this one room. Mm-hmm. And so, I got to learn to play guitar when I was huh. down there each night. And it was just a really incredible walk up and down each day, just being able to pray, walking mm-hmm. through the forest up to the homestead. And and so, that was great. Yet another adventure, although <laughs> a little unexpected. Yeah. So, you finished your time in Scotland and yeah. then go to England. How did that come about? Yeah. So, the plan was to go down to, to England for one week, just to say hi to the church there that I had a relationship with mm-hmm. um, and to fly out to Africa, back to Mozambique. And that flight actually got cancelled whilst I was down in England. And mm. so, one week turned into eight months. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> one week to eight months. Yeah. And so, did you have enough contacts? Did you have a place to stay? Yeah. Adam Voak, actually, mm, my, my okay. base contact and mm. his family, they, they took me back in and let me stay there for eight months. I had my own room and, um, again, slotted back into the family. It was incredible. So, that's good. Mm-hmm. You have a roof over your head. Yeah. What do you do all day? Well... I had this thought, so an f- old friend of mine that I went to school with who worked for the same company that I did a few years ago, he was talking to me about leaving the job. And I had this thought, maybe I should apply for that job because he was working from home remotely mm-hmm. because of COVID yeah. here, here in Melbourne. Yeah. And so, I you know, threw the message out to work and said, hey, do you mind if I work with you guys 
on the team from the UK. And they were totally fine with that. Oh, wow. So you have a good internet connection, obviously. And yeah, yeah, it was perfect. And do your old job yeah. from England. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Was, wow. In order to slot in with the team, because it's a 24-7 crew, mm-hmm. I was waking up at or starting my shift at 4 a.m. until 12 p.m. So it actually ended up working really well, the time slot with me. And so I was able to go on a casual position, but for full-time hours for yeah. eight months straight. Oh, my goodness. So this time that could have been just wasted in a sense, mm. suddenly you're earning an income, you're being productive. Yeah. Well, it, it was almost like the place itself wasn't prison, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a beautiful place to stay and, and very blessed. Yeah. But the, the situation felt like it was in prison, you know, mm. or like a bit like a Joseph kind of story. Where, yeah, what do you mean by that, a Joseph story? Yeah, so we know that Joseph grew up and had a lot of promise over his life and had God speak to him when he was young and give him visions and dreams. And, um, you know, he knew he was going places, mm. but things happened in Joseph's story where, you know, he was thrown into a pit by mm-hmm. his brothers yeah, yeah, uh, and then into prison mm-hmm. um, as well. And before- Things didn't go there, to plan. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Penciled plans um, <laughs> that were rubbed out. <laughs> and so what I mean by Joseph's story is that I've given my life to God many times, uh, you know, given mm-hmm. it back over to him and, And I know that God's called me to do many things, but it was like this limbo period Mm -hmm. where I was like, come on, God. You know, I had so many questions in that time. And I was like, man, God, um, I've given this to you. Why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we going for it? I'm in this prison and limbo phase. But he had other plans because I was able to work during Mm -hmm. that time. Um, Meanwhile, your bank account is going up, up, up. Well, not spending much money at all. You know, I'm just, just yeah, living. It's just all income. Yeah, it's all working and pretty income. Much all income. And yeah. so, um, finally, after five different flight cancellations and reschedules and almost $10,000 that I'd spent on extra flights. Is that right? That you didn't end up taking? Yeah. No, so I'd spent this money on, on additional flights because my sister actually got engaged and is due to be married. So, all of a sudden, I'm starting to feel pressure. I've got to get back home. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For family reasons now. Yeah, for family reasons mm-hmm. now. And um, after five flight cancellations and reschedules, I finally get this flight back to Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so- So, you're kind of changed your plans from trying to go to yeah. Mozambique yeah. to just get back to Australia. Yeah, the plans are completely changed because yeah. all throughout that time as well, um, as finding out my sister's getting married, my mm. visa isn't working. It's just not happening. Mm. Um, they're doing their best over there in Mozambique, but still it hasn't come through. So I'm like, okay, God's shut the door. Yep, Clearly. cancel that plan. Yeah, mm-hmm. cancel the plan, mm. wipe it off. It's okay to have plans canceled and doors shut in your face. Mm. It's not nice, but it happens. Yep. Um, one of the things that I learned when I was there is to not, like a little kid, bang against the door and force it down. You know, mm-hmm. if it shuts then it's clearly of God that it's shut mm-hmm. and he'll open at the right time. Mm-hmm. So I accepted that um, and basically said, okay, Mozambique can go on the back burner just mm-hmm. for now. Mm-hmm. I know it's there. I'm going back one day. Well, that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> yeah. So I, I finally get this flight come through that goes to Perth and uh, my cousins live there. Eight months later. Eight months later, yeah. yeah. So my cousins live there and I have to go into two-week quarantine, which is like two and a half grand out of my pocket. Oh, wow. Now, why did (laughs) you fly into Perth instead of Melbourne? Yeah. So, um, obviously, Melbourne is where I live, but in Victoria, it was very strict at that time, basically not letting flights in and out. 
And so Perth was pretty much the only option for me because- The only way to get into Australia yeah, yeah, there were at that time. There were like 30,000 people just in the UK alone, Australians, trying to get home. Wow. And so each flight that was coming into Australia was, I mean, there was no way. There was, mm. There was almost no way. Yeah. And so I finally get this flight come through, but it's for Perth. And I'm like, I'll take it. Yeah. Anything I can get. I'm getting closer to home. <laughs> yeah. Get me on soil and yeah, I'm yeah. happy. I'll walk yeah. home. <laughs> but you have relatives there. Yeah. So it works out really well. Mm-hmm. And so I get out of my two week hotel quarantine, mm-hmm. which is a really amazing time in itself. Just you can't go outside. I couldn't open the window. It was literally oh, just really? me in quarantine. Hmm. I had a TV and my Bible and that's pretty much it. But yeah. I was able to work during that time as well. Oh, really? Another blessing. Oh, wow. So, it paid for quarantine. Oh, okay. More <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So, that was great. Yeah. I get out of quarantine and see my cousins. and mm-hmm. It's amazing just seeing family again, that yeah. connection. Yeah. And they're actually builders. Um, so, they're carpenters. They, they mm-hmm. do roofs over there in Perth and... And they're talking to me about all these government grants that are going out towards people trying to stimulate the economy Mm -hmm. for building homes. Mm -hmm. Because at this stage, there are so many people trying to live there, but not enough homes. For a rental, any given day, you might see a line that's coming out of people trying to apply Mm-hmm. to get this as Oh, a just a, a housing shortage. Yeah, mm-hmm. a housing shortage. There you go. Um, and so, the government's throwing money away mm-hmm. at new builds and, and they were like, well, you should do it. You should go for a house. And, you know, that was always your dream, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Going back to the very beginning. Exactly. You wanted to buy a house, but then had to sidetrack to ministry. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this happens. And apparently, you can do both. You know, it's not like <laughs> <Who knew? laughs> it's not like this exactly. It's not like they're separate. And yeah. so all of a sudden, you know, that dream of, of mine being able to own a house and, and start a property portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, very passionate about that. Yeah. When I gave that up to go do ministry in Africa, all of a sudden that had come back. The opportunity had mm-hmm. come back almost on a silver platter, really. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, okay, I'll talk to a builder online and just live chat someone mm-hmm. and we'll set up a meeting and just see where I'm at. You know, mm-hmm. not expecting anything. Yeah. And so, I, I organized an appointment up in Perth, uh, about an hour's drive away, for the next day. I go to the builder's place, sit down with this guy, and he pulls out, the first piece of paper he pulls out, he pulls out this brochure of a bird's eye view of a new development mm-hmm. plan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's something in my brain. I'm just like, what is that? That looks really familiar. And it turns out that I had been there that morning. Oh, really? That morning, dropping some tools off to my cousin, who's building one of those houses. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, I actually realized, I called him and I realized that he was building the house two doors down from this one block of land. Mm -hmm. It was the last one available. Mm -hmm. Literally directly opposite a park as well. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm like, okay, well, maybe, you know, this sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Um, So, he kind of sussed it out. And long story short, the guy was like, I don't want to pressure you, but- if you want to apply for the the government grants, mm. I'm going to need to know right now whether you want to do it. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you I'm know, just looking into this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just sussing it out, seeing yeah. where I'm at. Yeah. And um, I said to him, you know, can I take the contract back home tonight to have my cousin go through it and, and let you know I can text you tonight? He's like, look, I really need you to, I can't, we can't do it. The last day was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I'm like, okay. I'm not feeling pressure from him uh, to make commission or anything, mm-hmm. but I am. There is the pressure of the moment. Mm. Yet I felt peace. Mm. It was really a really strange feeling. I felt peace about it, and 
went through the contract yet again, called my dad, mm. and I signed it, and that was it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so now you are the proud owner yeah. of property in Perth. Yep, with, with um, <laughs> finance to, to go for a house, a brand new house build. Oh, wow. Well, unfortunately, we're quickly running out of time here, but what an incredible turn of events from mm-hmm. your original dream. God gives it back to you. Just like that. Plus all the ministry experience that you've gained. Yeah. And so literally maybe two or three days later, I'd had someone prophesy, give me a prophetic word that God was giving me new ground and new foundations that he was giving me. And that was, it blew my mind when they said that. And you thought it was metaphorically. (laughs) (laughs) It was literally, God was was giving me new foundations. So it was confirmed in that way as well. Fantastic. Yeah, so I'd signed this contract, but uh, speaking to the banks or my mortgage broker, Mm -hmm. he told me that in order to get finance for the house, I was going to have to get a permanent position instead of casual Mm -hmm. and to have my salary increase a bit. Mm -hmm. And I'd been talking to work and trying to suss that out. Um, What does that look like? There weren't any options, but going full-time night shift, as in 11 p.m. till 7 a.m. And at this stage, I'm working back in the office and so I applied you got your for old it. job back. I got my old job back and um, it ticked both boxes full time and an increase in salary. And so just what you needed, just what I needed. Oh, my God. So again, God, silver platter. Hmm. He gave it right back to me. And I just say, look to anyone out there who might be struggling with failed dreams or anything or shut doors. You know, I would just encourage you to just stay faithful to the Lord and do what he's given you to do, whatever that is. He knows your heart's desire and your dreams. He's given them to you in the beginning, Mm -hmm. already knowing what's going to happen. And so I just encourage anyone out there to just stay faithful to the plow um, Mm -hmm. and give those dreams, constantly give them back to God. Amen. You never know, he will give them back to you. In sometimes very unexpected ways. Absolutely. Jordan Olney, once again, thank you for sharing more of your story. Pleasure. And probably in a couple of years, we'll have to have you back again. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good, Eric. Thanks. Well, that was remarkable to hear how God worked in Jordan Olney's life and completely turned the situation around when it looked like he was going to be wasting time while he was stuck in Europe. It was interesting to hear how Jordan identified with Joseph in the Bible with all kinds of plans for the future that were disrupted. Joseph was thrown into a hole by his jealous brothers and another part of his life, he was put in prison, even though he was innocent. Both Joseph and Jordan reached a point in their lives where they asked God, what's going on? I'm being faithful to you, but yet I'm being confined and all my plans are being messed up. But as we know from Joseph's life, God is much bigger than our plans and can work through whatever twists and turns come our way in life. As Joseph said at the end of his life to his brothers, You intended evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about what is now being done, the saving of many lives. We pray for the same result in Jordan's life, that many lives will be saved through his ministry, either in Mozambique, which is still ultimately his dream, or in some other unforeseen way that God has not yet revealed to him. We will just have to stay tuned to the coming adventures of Jordan Olney. Well, thanks so much for joining us for Jordan's Story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I struggle to read and write. What's today noted as being dyslexic. So I I struggled all through primary and high school not being able to read and write. 
and it was something that even I suppose the teachers going into high school that was something that they used in a bully sense really because I they deliberately get me to stand in class and read and the whole class would just break up laughing and I suppose at that point it was their way of trying to control me. Brad Quilliam was 12 years old when he found out he was adopted. This rocked his already fragile world when suddenly he felt like he didn't know what was true anymore. Struggling in school because of dyslexia, Brad eventually dropped out when he was 15 years old and his future was unclear. But we'll hear how God turns it all around next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.